Hi, I'm Chantelle. And I'm Matthew. And we're founders of Fifth Place, where our mission is to make the world a better place by enabling the how. Welcome to our Emotions Matter Really podcast. In this podcast, we explore everything about emotions, feelings, and what it is to become and remain emotionally fit. We interrogate the taboo around expressing and talking about emotions and feelings. We talk about all those things we want less of, like stress, anxiety, and burnout, and the things we want more of, like sleep, calm, and self-care. We explore tools, tips and techniques for managing your emotions. We examine what it means to be emotionally fit and why this equals a better quality of life. Hello, hello from a wonderfully warming Johannesburg, South Africa. Spring has really sprung and we have rapidly got into very warm weather, which is delightful. Now, all we're waiting for is the rain. Yeah, hi there. And uh, yes, indeed, rain, rain, rain. We don't get rain in winter here in Johannesburg. So we've gone almost six months without rain. Mm-hmm. And uh, gardens and environs are showing it. So we are patiently waiting for the first rain. And we have spectacular rain. We have thunderstorms, lightning. It's very, very frightening. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Well, not really. Just being a little bit silly. But uh, welcome to our podcast episode. Yes. What are we discussing this week? Well, you know, we a few weeks ago we spoke about the five pillars of emotional fitness, and that received quite a favourable response from a couple of people. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to delve deeper into the first pillar. And that is the pillar of thinking. And we're going to go a little bit more in depth into what we mean by thinking in the context of emotional fitness. Okay. So just to remind you, emotional fitness is a holistic approach and it sits on five Mm -hmm. pillars. So the first pillar we're looking at this week is thinking. Just a reminder, the other pillars, aside from thinking, are nourishing, moving, relating and feeling. Quite ironic, though, I have to say, that we've actually called the pillar thinking. What do you think? (laughs) You're too clever for trying to be too funny. Uh. Yes, it it is a little bit ironic, although I think for us thinking, certainly, and we're going to delve into uh, detail shortly, but for us, we believe the world thinks too much Mm. and actually feels too little. And maybe that's why we top and tail the pillars with thinking and feeling. And uh, the reason why we say that is a lot of our world, particularly our Western world, we use thinking as our primary way of engaging with the world, really living life through a series of problems that Mm. need to be solved rather than experiences that need to be felt. And this realization happened quite early on with our work. We had a look at the world sort of from afar and kind of said, well, you know, if thinking was going to solve the problems of the world, given the sheer volume of thinking that actually takes place, 
then we shouldn't have any problems or maybe we should have far fewer problems than we currently do and as you know wherever you are listening to this that is far from the case and so as a result as I said we believe the world thinks too much and that's the irony and uh, what we then observed was there's a missing piece Mm, absolutely. But before we go into that, and we're going to cycle back and talk about thinking in the context of emotional fitness, but also, you know, I think from a Western perspective, we have put the thinking brain above all the others um, as a result of, you know, that wonderful theory called the triune brain theory, which we've actually found out is a myth. Yes, I know you like to talk about that. And mm. I think... You know, we were exploring the meaning of words and the maybe it's not just semantics, but how words are used. And inherent in that word thinking is something we've spoken about before, is the king. Mm. And we believe that it's time to topple yes. the king. But back to the triune brain, mm. that well-known theory that is actually, as you said, yeah. A fallacy or a myth. Yes, it is. It's not right at all. We did not evolve. The brain did not evolve in layers, starting with the reptilian brain, moving through the emotional brain, and eventually, you know, um, landing at the highest level of evolution with the rational brain. No, it is not true. We did not do that. But as a result of that wonderful theory that has lasted so long, uh, we have, t in this Western world, been socialized into believing that rationality cognitive ability yes is the better the better place to be and more important and certainly king over the emotional brain and as we know that is not the case at all emotions govern so very much of what we do but back to thinking in the context of the building emotional fitness and what we mean by thinking in the context of building emotional fitness is actually more about lifelong learning. Yes, indeed. Uh, lifelong learning is the proactive pursuit of knowledge where the primary objective is personal fulfillment mm. rather than the attainment of formal qualifications. But of course it can include these as well. And it's about wanting to learn something new or try out a new skill as opposed to having to do that yes and it's a it's the wanting to um rather than the having to that really makes the difference here and it's it's also about um personal development so doing it for yourself from a personal development perspective we do have actually an inbuilt desire to learn and grow and explore and we're curious and we want to improve ourselves and our quality of life and we want to pursue goals and ideas and we want to be inspired and have purpose so Having an openness to personal growth and development also means being willing to maybe not like succeed the first time. So doing something that maybe makes us feel a little bit clumsy. A little bit vulnerable, mm, messy, absolutely. awkward. Uh, yes. Oh, I do like those words. And getting it wrong. Oh my goodness. And we don't like getting it wrong at all. We like getting it right first time. Such an interesting adult concept. Like, who would possibly think that getting it right first time was actually the way to be? And yet we feel very stupid when we don't. 
Yeah, it's interesting uh, for me to reflect on that just by and by. I think it starts out early on uh, in, in our education system where mm. the goal is to get it right more than to have the experience of learning. So we aim for the ticks and avoid the, the X's or the crosses. Mm. And slowly but surely we learn that it's not okay to get things wrong. Mm. And then you hit adulthood and it's the same. And in some aspects of our society, it's, it's actually quite punitive. You can get into a lot of trouble if you make just one mistake. There are certain circumstances that do need the punishment to match the act. But for the most part, it's innate mm. to mess up. I mean, imagine that little toddler deciding, well, I have stood up, fallen over, and that's it. I'm going to spend the rest of my life crawling around on the floor. Where would that leave us yeah. as the majority of, of human beings? And you just have to watch children as they engage with tasks. Try, try, and try again. Yes, it is all about trial and error. And we learn so much more by making those mistakes and maybe doing things that aren't you know, perfect the first time. And sometimes because we're so hesitant to make those errors, we hold back and we don't do it. And so the thinking part, which you know, is about learning, is really being open, learning to be open as well and be willing to be open to making those, those errors, to engaging in trial and error, to you know, making ourselves feel a little bit like a fool little bit every now and again, but being comfortable with that because we're learning from it. Um, I think we would do so much better if we were more open to being playful in the learning process and also knowing we're not going to get it right and that we are going to fail and that we are going to make mistakes. I think it would make life a little a little less heavy, a, a little, little less more serious. light and a little less serious. Absolutely. And, and, and the irony here, and then we can sort of move on from this, is that machine learning or AI works around getting it wrong. Yes. It yes, needs it to make mistakes in order to understand what it is that it's learning. So yes. there you go. Yes. And learning isn't just about um, just learning. I mean, it's also about reflecting. And reflection is a really important part of adult learning. And if we go to Kolb's experiential learning cycle, he talks about and it's, this, is, this is specifically about adult learning. He talks about having an experience, reflecting on that experience, taking learnings out of that experience, and then from those learnings, experimenting with something else or experimenting with what it is that we've learned. And then the cycle starts all over again. Experiment, have an experience, reflect. But I don't think that we actually do enough reflecting. As, as adults, I don't think we spend enough time. What do you think? Uh, I don't think we do, uh, just to agree. I think, you know, a lot of the new ways of, of doing something can come out. A new approach will arise from that space of reflection. So you do something, you have the experience, and it's really um, been a, an approach that's informed our work. We created a framework. We would go out into the world with the framework and as usually happens, the world has other ideas and so the framework would need to be adjusted. But after every workshop experience where we were doing this, we would have a space of reflection 
what worked, what could have gone better. And those reflections gave rise to new insights and new ways of doing things. Mm. And we wouldn't have had our body of work if not for that space of reflection. So it's very important. Yes. And it was actually exciting because you went into these experiences eager to find out, open to feedback, wanting to understand if we'd hit the mark or if we were off and how to come back and how we were going to um, correct us and do things that would be received better um, by the people that we were that we were working with. And it continues. I mean, it hasn't stopped. We keep on doing that and we keep on having to pivot and relearn and try new things. You've got to be pretty robust and pretty resilient um, to keep on going in this space. But that's what makes us human. And that's also part of the developing the emotional fitness, keeping on going in the face of adversity, we're in the face of making these mistakes and errors. Absolutely. And when you can look at them as part of a process rather than, you know, taking things personally or falling down or whatever it is. And it's about the understanding that the faltering and the falling down is much as necessary because then you build an awareness about the need to come back. So it talks a little bit into that space of of adversity or having needing to have the bad guy or the so-called bad situation because then it gives you something to work against or work through. Mm, absolutely. And that's part of fitness. Yes, exactly. And if we look at why lifelong learning and why the thinking pillar is actually important for building emotional fitness, there are kind of three things that come to mind. Well, the first one is it can help you be motivated or re-motivated mm. if you're feeling like you're stuck in a rut. We like novelty as human beings. Learning something new can support that drive, especially if it's a motivation that comes from within, self-motivation. Mm. Yes, and then it also allows us to reconnect with interests and goals. So again, stuck in a rut or just used to doing the same old, same old, sometimes we lose track or we lose sight of those things that really interest us, really motivate us as those are things that we want to um, come back and make our goals and uh, refocus and re refocus on something and also reduce boredom. And we don't like being bored as human beings. We like to do different things and do new things and come back to the stuff that we really enjoyed, but maybe lost track of in the, you know, the day to day. Well, also the, the inane. I think there are many things that can distract us from our boredom at the moment, especially with things like social media mm. and endless scrolling and cat videos and so on. No disrespect to cat videos or the people who make them. Uh, and really, this is again about a little bit more sort of conscious coming mm. coming back mm. and yes. reconnecting. Absolutely. And then the third one is about building self-confidence. So when we learn a new skill, we master a new skill, we learn something new that we can talk about, it builds our self-confidence. There's something more that we can, you know, engage in. And there's something, there's something more that we can uh, master and being able to do that is really a confidence builder. I'd say, uh, you know, there's nothing to me that beats the thrill of tackling something new and coming out the other side with a sense of accomplishment, which then gives you the confidence to do more of the same or bigger of the same or even go off and do something 
different. Mm. The thinking is also about watching where I put my focus mm. and yes. what am I consuming and allowing into my being. Yes. Talk a little bit more about that. I mean, what is that all about? So we're talking about learning something new. You were st speaking about about social media. Are you talking about that? So it's about being discerning as to what choices I make, uh, being a little bit more aware of the choices that I do make around where I put my my focus. So yes, social media is one thing, you know, the news, whether it's through the television, radio, newspaper, online, whatever the case may be, but really just uh, using thinking as a driver of choice. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. allowing myself to have experiences, but then choosing what kind of experiences to have, mm -hmm. rather than filtering everything through that lens of problem solving. And then spending our time more productively and more generatively as well. So using, because time is like so precious. Well, it's the most precious commodity we have. Uh, you don't get time back. And again, so if you look at the choices that you can make, what sort of choices are you making right now? Mm -hmm. I mean, hopefully you're enjoying listening to what we have to share. Uh, and and it's making you think. Yes. <laughs> but rather than getting involved in sort of vacuous or inane activities to while away your most precious commodity, what choices can you make to learn something new? Remembering that thinking is also about neuroplasticity and how doing new things is really uh, beneficial for our overall well-being and mm -hmm. for the longevity of our brain, exercising our brain as well. You know, when we want to build emotional fitness, and this is one pillar of emotional fitness, and we can probably go into it in a lot more detail, but really, really just giving you a taste of what the thinking pillar is all about, let us not forget that when we want to make changes in our lives and becoming emotionally fit is like, a it, it is a choice. It's like choosing to become physically fit. When we want to make adaptive change, there are three maxims that we uphold and say, these are, kind, these are things you need to consider before you take your step. Well, these are really the mandatory, if you like, Mm. immovable maxims of change if you if you cannot commit to these then your process of building emotional fitness even your process of change adaptive change that is not technical change won't necessarily stick mm. and what we mean by adaptive change is transformational change that there actually is a change it's not something i do for a little while and then revert back to my old habits that's what we mean by adaptive change. And when we want to do something that's that's transformational and that's going to stick, we must really want to. Yes, so the first thing is, I must want to change. Yes. No one can force me to improve my emotional fitness. It has to be my choice because I see the benefit for me and my overall well-being. Mm. There's going to be a need for commitment as well as discipline. And the question is, am I up to it? And I think you are. I think we are. I think people are up to it, actually. Sometimes they just don't think they are um, because it is. it can be uncomfortable. But the second one is that it starts with me. It's my responsibility to put in the practice, to move through the discomfort, to just push through and continue to come back. It's only up to me 
it starts with me. It's not anybody else's responsibility to push me into doing it. The responsibility starts and ends with you. Mm -hmm. It's about choosing to get out of the blame and shame game and that delightful little geometric shape, <laughs> yes. the drama triangle yeah. Yeah. as well. Exactly. And the last one, and we think this is the most important, well, actually, none of them are most important, but this is a really, really important one is that you have to be prepared to come back to your body. And what do we mean about coming back to your body? You have to reconnect with it and relearn. In a way, maybe not even relearn, uh, or maybe it is relearn, but certainly begin a process of listening to what your body mm. is communicating to you. Mm. Our experience is that so many of our challenges, adaptive change, transformational change challenges, arise from the past, particularly arising from our childhood. And so if we do want to make change, and we'll bring this back to thinking in a moment, then we do need to learn to be okay with feeling, mm -hmm. as we alluded to earlier. And our feelings and emotions show up in our body. And so if we are disconnected from our body, it's going to be very difficult to mm -hmm. learn to regulate the way we feel and emotion regulation is key to building emotional fitness yes absolutely and it's also getting in touch with yes our body our body processes our heart it's you know not just thinking that this thing that's stuck on our neck is the most important of course it's important but knowing that the rest of us is actually as important as important and hugely intelligent as well hmm. so that's the fun i mean it's it's a, it's a, sometimes an incredibly new experience for some people. So these three maxims of change really sit effectively at the forefront of any emotional fitness process. And we've explored the first pillar of building emotional fitness, which is thinking. So we invite you to share some of your thoughts or perceptions. Mm -hmm. What do you think about where thinking plays a role in your life or doesn't? You know, as the case may be, yeah. exactly. Or what quality of thinking yes. do you currently engage in? Yes, absolutely. So thank you very much, Chantal. You're and welcome. We come to that time of the podcast, mm. which is poetry time. So what do you have for us this week? Well, surprisingly, I have a poem called Thinking. <laughs> it's by a poet called Walter D. Wintle. Very little is known about him, except that he was a poet who lived in the late 19th and early 20th century. And uh, nothing is known of the details of his life. And his name may even be a pseudonym. And he's best known for writing this particular poem called Thinking. Thinking. If you think you are beaten, you are. If you think you do not, you don't. If you like to win, but you think you can't, it is almost certain you won't. If you think you'll lose, you've lost. For out of the world we find success begins with a fellow's will. It's all in the state of mind. If you think you are outclassed, you are. You've got to think high to rise. You've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win a prize. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, but soon or late, the man who wins is the man 
who thinks he can. Well, I think that is so apt because in that little poem, it encapsulates everything we were trying to say about where thinking should be yes. in terms of building emotional fitness. Yes. It enables you to make those choices about where to start, where to put your focus. Indeed. I love it. I love it. Thanks so much. And yeah, knowing when it was when it was written, understand that they talk about man, but just replace it with any other pronoun you wish. Makes the same sense. Hmm. <laughs> it says the same thing. Absolutely. And with that, yes, it's time to say farewell. So for me, Chantal, remember, be kind and gentle to yourself. And until we meet again, bye for now. And from me, Matthew, yeah, just take a look at what you're doing with that brain and those thinking faculties of yours. Where is your focus? Are you problem solving or are you living? Until next time, bye for now. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to know more, please follow or subscribe. And if you'd like to know more about us at Fifth Place, you can go to our web website. It's 5th.place. That's all it is. 5th.place. And if you're interested in building your emotional fitness, we have a couple of ways you can do this. And these are in the links below. And lastly, if you got value from the podcast, then we invite you to match that value by making a donation. It enables us to take our work into those under-resourced places that don't necessarily have the means.